Hello everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. Today I'm going to discuss about electrical system of the International Space Station. So what exactly is this and what is exactly the role of electrical system in this uh, International Space Station? As we all know the electrical system of the international space station is a critical resource for the international space station iss because it allows the crew to live comfortably to safely operate the station and to perform scientific experiments the iss electrical system uses the solar cells to directly convert the sunlight or the solar energy to electricity large number of the cells are assembled in arrays to produce high power levels this method of harnessing solar power is called as the photovoltaics the process of collecting sunlight converting it to the electricity and in order to manage as well as distribute this electricity builds up the excess heat that can cause cause the damage space and damage the spacecraft equipment this heat must be eliminated for the reliable operation of the space station in, into the orbit the iss that is international space station power system uses radiators the iss power system makes the usage of the radiators in order to dissipate the heat away from the spacecraft the radiators are shaded from sunlight and aligned towards the cold void of deep space solar array wing so what exactly is this each iss solar array wing often abbreviated as saw that is solar array wing consists of two retractable blankets of solar cells with a mass between mast between them each wing is the largest ever deployed in space weighing over 2400 pounds and using nearly 33000 solar arrays each measuring 8 cm square with 4100 diodes when fully extended each is 35 meters that is 111 115 feet in length and 12 meters that is 39 feet wider each saw is capable of generating nearly 31 kilowatts of direct current power When retracted each wing folds into a solar array blanket box just 51 cm 20 inches higher and 4.57 meters that is 15 feet in length. Altogether the eight solar array wings can generate about 240 kilowatts in direct sunlight or about 84 to 120 kilowatts average power cycling between the solar sunlight and the shade. The solar arrays normally track the sun with the alpha gimbal used as the primary variation to follow the sun as the space station moves around the earth and the beta gimbal used to adjust for the angle of the space station's orbit to the ecliptic. Several different tracking modes are used in operations ranging from full sun tracking to the drag reduction mode that is the night glider and sun slicer modes to a drag maximization mode used to lower the altitude
over the time the photovoltaic cells on the wings have degraded gradually having been designed for a 15 year service life this is especially noticeable with the first series to launch with the p6 and p4 trusses in 2000 scs 97 and 2006 scs 115 SCS-117 delivered the S4 truss and solar arrays in 2007. SCS-119 ISS assembly flight 15A delivered S6 truss along with the fourth set of solar arrays and batteries to the station during March 2009. To augment the oldest wings, NASA has launched one pair and is, to, is set to launch two more pairs of larger scale versions of the rollout solar array ab- aboard. Three SpaceX Dragon 2 cargo launches from early to June 2021 to late 2022. SpaceX CRS 22, CRS 25, and CRS 26. These arrays are intended to be deployed along the central part of the wings up to two-thirds of its length. Work to install Arosa support brackets on the truss mass can, can, cans holding the solar area wings was initiated by the crew members of Expedition 64 in the late February 2021. After the first pair of the arrays were delivered in early June, a spacewalk on 16th June by Shane Kimbroke and Thomas Pesquet of Expedition 65 to place on Irosa on the 2B power channel and mast can of P6 trust ended early due to technical difficulties with the array's deployment. The 20 June spacewalk saw the first Irosa's successful deployment and the connection to the station's power system. The 25th June spacewalk saw the astronauts successfully install and deploy the second Irosa on the fourth B mast opposite the first Irosa. Going on to the batteries, how exactly the batteries are contained in the system? Since the station is often not in direct sunlight, it relies on rechargeable lithium-ion batteries that is initially nickel-hydrogen batteries to provide continuous power during the eclipse part of the orbit that is 35 minutes of every 90-minute orbit. Each battery assembly situated on the S4, P4, S6 and P6 trusses containing containing 24 lightweight lithium-ion battery cells and associated electrical and mechanical equipment. Each battery assembly has a nameplate capacity of 110 ampere R. That is 396,000 C. Originally 81 coulomb, originally 81 ampere R and 4 kilowatt R 14 megajoules. This power is fed to the ISS via the BCDU and DCSU respectively. The batteries ensure that the station is never without power to sustain the life support systems and experiments. During the sunlight part of the orbit, 
the batteries are recharged. The nickel hydrogen batteries and the battery charge or discharge units were manufactured by Space System or Laurel SSL/L are the contract to Boeing. NIH batteries on the P6 truss were replaced in 2009 and 2010 with more nickel hydrogen NIH2 batteries brought by space shuttle missions. The nickel hydrogen batteries had a design life of 6.5 years and could exceed 38,000 charge slash or discharge cycles at 35% of depth of discharge. They were replaced multiple times during the expected 30-year life of the station. Each battery measured 40 by 36 by 18 inches, that is 102, 102 by 91 by 46 centimeter and weighed 375 pounds, that is 170 kgs. From 2017 to 2021, the nickel hydrogen batteries were replaced by lithium ion batteries. On January 6, 2017, Expedition 50 members Shane Kimbrough and Peggy Whitson began the process of converting some of the oldest batteries of the ISS to the new lithium ion batteries. Expedition 64 members that is uh, Victor J. Glover and Michael S. Hopkins concluded the campaign on February 1st of February 1st of 2021. There are a number of the differences between the two battery technologies. One difference is that the lithium-ion batteries can handle twice the charge, so only half as many lithium-ion batteries were needed during replacement. Also, the lithium-ion batteries are smaller than the older nickel-hydrogen batteries, although lithium-ion batteries typically have the shorter lifespans than nickel-hydrogen batteries. NIH2 batteries, as they cannot sustain as many charge or discharge cycles before suffering notable degradation, the ISS lithium-ion batteries have been designed for 60,000 cycles and 10 years of lifetime, much longer than the original nickel-hydrogen battery battery's design lifespan of 6.5 years. Going on to the power management and distribution in ISS electrical power distribution. The power management and distribution substation subsystem operates at a primary bus voltage, which is set to VMP, that is the peak power point of the solar arrays. As of the 30th of December 2005, VMP was 160 volts DC, that is the direct current. It can change over the time as the arrays degrade from ionizing radiation microprocessor controls, which is control the distribution of primary power throughout the station. The battery charge or discharge units BCTUs regulate the amount of charge put into the battery. Each BCDU can regulate discharge current from two battery ORUs that is with each ORU that is orbital replacement unit. The orbital replacement unit units each with 38 series connected to the nickel hydrogen cells. 
and can provide up to 6.6 kilowatts to this pay station. During the installation, installation, the BCDU provides the charge current to the batteries and controls the amount of battery overcharge. Each day, the BCDU and batteries undergo 16 charge per discharge cycles or discharge cycles. The space station has 24 BCDUs, each weighing 100 kg. The BCDUs are provided by SSLHL. SSU, Sequential Shunt Unit. Now, moving on to Sequential Shunt Unit. It is provided by SSLHL. There is 82 separate solar array strings feed a sequential shunt unit SSU that provides the coarse voltage regulation at the desired VMP. The SSU applies a dummy resistive load that increases as the station's load decreases and vice versa, so that the, the, so the array operates at a constant voltage and load. However, the SSUs are provided by SSLHL. Moving on to DC to DC conversion, the DC to DC converter units supply the secondary power system at a constant voltage of 124.5 volts DC. There is direct current allowing the primary bus voltage to track the peak power point of the solar arrays. Moving on to the thermal control, the thermal control system requires regulates the temperature of the main power distribution power uh, distribution electronics in the batteries and the associated control electronics details of um, and all such uh, now moving on to details of the station to shuttle power transfer system from 2007 the station to shuttle power transfer system that is SSPTS spits allowed a docked space shuttle to make usage of the power provided by the International Space Station Solar Arrays. Use of this system reduced, it reduced, the, reduced the usage of the shuttle's onboard power generating fuel cells allowing it to stay docked to the space, ta space station for an additional four days. Spitz was SSPTS was a shuttle upgrade that replaced the assembly power converter unit that is APCU with a new device called the power transfer unit that is PTU. The APCU had the capacity to convert shuttle 28 VDC main bus uh, 28 volt DC main bus power to 124 volt DC compatible with ISS 120 volt DC power system. VDC power system. This was used in the initial construction of the space station to augment the power available from the Russian Zvezda service module. The PTU adds up to this the capability to convert the 120 VDC supplied by the ISS to the arbiters 28 VDC voltage DC voltage main bus power is capable to of transferring up to 8 kilowatt of the power from the space station to the orbiter. With this upgrade, both the shuttle and the ISS were able to use each other's power systems when needed. Through the ISS, though the ISS never again required the usage of an orbiter's power systems, 
in December 2006 during the mission STS-116 PMA-2, then at the forward end of the Destiny module was rewired to allow for the usage of the SSPTS, the SPITS. The first mission to make the actual usage of the system was STS-118 with the Space Shuttle Endeavour. Only Discovery and Endeavour were equipped with the SPITS, that is SSPTS. Atlantis was the only surviving shuttle not equipped with the SPITS, SSPTS, so could only go on the shorter length missions than the rest of the fleet. So moving on to what powers spacecraft. So for this the answer is the space a spacecraft generally gets its energy from at least one of three power sources that is the sun batteries or unstable atoms. To choose the best type of the power for a spacecraft, engineers consider where it is exactly traveling, where it, it plans to do there and and how long it'll need to work it'll take to need to, to make the work spacecraft have the equipped instruments that help them to take pictures and collect information in space but they need electricity to power those instruments and send the information back to earth so where does the power come from the answer is that it depends on the mission to choose the best power system for a spacecraft engineers have to think about several things some factors they consider are where the spacecraft is traveling what it plans to do there and how long it'll need to work one source of power is sun so moving on to energy from sun that is the solar power solar power is the energy from the sun spacecraft that orbit the earth called satellites are close enough to the sun that they can often use the solar power. These spacecraft have the solar panels which convert the sun's energy into electricity that powers the spacecraft. The electricity from the solar panels charges a battery in the spacecraft. These batteries can power the spacecraft even when it moves out of direct sunlight. Solar energy has also been used to power the spacecraft on Mars. NASA's Mars Exploration Rovers Spirit and Opportunity uh, and the Mars Phoenix Lander all use these all used the power from solar panels and so does the InSight Lander. Spacecraft traveling far away from the sun have very large solar panels to get the electricity that they need. For example, NASA's Juno spacecraft uses solar power all the way out at the Jupiter, where it orbits the planet. Each of Juno's three solar arrays is 30 feet that is 9 meter long. However, solar power doesn't work for all spacecraft. One reason is that as spacecraft travel farther, farther, from, the, farther from the sun, solar power becomes less efficient. Solar-powered explorers may also be limited by a planet's weather and seasons and harsh radiation, a type of an energy that is the type of energy and they might not be able to explore the dark, dusty environments such as caves on the moon. 
when solar power won't work, the spacecraft have to get their power another way. So scientists developed other ways that these spacecraft can get the power. One way is to simply use the batteries that can store the power for a spacecraft to use later. Moving on to energy from batteries, sometimes the missions are designed in order to last a short amount of time. For example, the Higgins probe that landed on Saturn's large moon Titan was only meant to work for a few hours so a battery provided enough power for the lander to do its job. Spacecraft batteries are designed to be tough, they need to work in extreme environments environments in space and on the surfaces of other worlds. Other worlds. The batteries also need to be recharged many times. Over time, NASA scientists have invented ways to improve these batteries. Now they can store more energy into more smaller sizes and last longer. Moving on to energy from atoms. An atom is a tiny building block of matter. Almost everything we know in the universe is made up of atoms. Atoms have to store a lot of energy to hold themselves together. But some atoms called radi radioisotopes are unstable and begin to fall apart. As the atoms fall apart, they release energy as well as heat. They release energy as heat. A radioscope power system uses the temperature difference between the heat from the unstable atoms and the cold of the space to produce electricity. NASA has used this type of the system in order to power many missions. For example, it has powered missions to Saturn, Pluto, and even spacecraft that have traveled to interstellar, stellar, interstellar space. This type of power system also provides the energy for the Curiosity rover on Mars. Radioscopic systems produce the power for a very long time, even in harsh environments. In fact, NASA's two Voyager spacecraft use this type of power. They have traveled farther than any human-made object and are still sending back information after more than 40 years in space. Thank you very much.